answer that question by asking you two questions. One, is this or is this not? Chasing history. Jake Larson. I needed to find this Shaka Khan song. I couldn't think of the name of it, and so I had to stop in the middle of the sidewalk. In two-time Nebraska walk-on tryout participant Colton Stone. <laughs> I'm putting a 12-6 that only has a 12 right at the batter's head. <laughs> yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. Good morning, beautiful people. It's 10 a.m. on a Friday. You know what that means? It's Chasing History time. Chasing History on 90.3 KRNU Lincoln. I'm Colton Stone. Alongside, as always, Jake Larson. Jake, finally, some chilly fall weather. We've uh, kind of been on this up and down roller coaster of you know, is it fall? Is it winter? Is it summer? Brisk. That's, you know. I, yes, you, you made that You want me to joke. say that joke again? No. You want me to, do you remember? No. Yeah, I remember. Pretty, you don't have to funny. say it again. Uh, I thought it was pretty funny. Anyways. So anyway, on a more serious note, first of all, congratulations to the 2018 Boston Red Sox. We'll get into that more in a bit. But they had Do one they of deserve the, congratulations? Absolutely. They had one of, okay, the absolute, one of the absolute greatest seasons in baseball history. We'll get That's into true. that in a second. And then also, uh, a rest in peace to the legendary Willie McCovey, who passed mm-hmm. away yesterday. Um, 1959, um, NL MVP. And let me – I might have the year wrong, but if I remember correctly, he was the MVP in 1969, both for the San right. Francisco Giants. So – it was right. That that's, that sounds right. I don't remember if that's exact. Anyway, here, but it's public not a whole information. Lot, not a whole lot of baseball players have a body of water named after them. And I was gonna he's say. Them, so. I was at work and someone said, "Do you even know who that is?" And my first response was, "McCovey Cove." Exactly. Yeah, 500, 521 home runs, two seventy batting average, two hundred twenty two hundred hits, fifteen hundred runs batted in. Yeah, one of the most successful. And surprisingly, only a six-time All-Star, yet at the same time he led the league in home runs three times. So they must have been pretty harsh on him in the booth because that seems like a, he seems like a guy, statistics-wise, who would have more than six All-Stars during his career. So, yeah, there we go. Sorry, I'm just like trying yeah. to pull some stuff no up No problem. Here. Anyway, as we mentioned a little bit ago, this year's Boston Red Sox had one of the finest seasons in Major League Baseball history. I'm not sure if Colton has a list up, uh, but I do. Gave a little power ranking for in the World Series era, the 10 greatest single season Major League teams of all time. Colton, let me know if any of these teams stand out to you. All right. If they tickle my fancy. Exactly. So number 10, <clears throat> finishing uh, with a... Sh- Bit of a strike-shortened season. Uh, finished 144, 18 fewer games, and they still got 100 wins, and that was the 1995 Cleveland Indians. Then we have, uh, in 1931, Philadelphia A's, one of the many teams on here, including the aforementioned uh, Cleveland Indians. Quite a few of the teams on this list, despite having very good regular season records, did not win the World Series, and... A's in 1931 were one of them. 1907, Chicago Cubs. Um, 1907? 1907, yep. I thought you said the World Series era. Well, that was World Series. Cause they yeah, had I, know. I know. Come on. I expect you to know these things. The dead ball era. Hey. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't really like the dead ball era that much. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, hey, look. It still counts in 
we are a show about history, and just because it happened, doesn't you know, a little before our time with... doesn't mean it. I mean, it didn't happen. I mean, we can agree. I would you would never watch a dead ball era game, like. Would you really want to go back in time? Look, here's it? the thing. You we were, you know, you said congratulations to the Red Sox. You remember so the 18 inning game in the World Series? Someone made a good point at work. In 19, what was it? 1939, maybe Yankees Cardinals, whichever year that was, in around that time. There were multiple Yankees Cardinals, but I wouldn't be surprised that that was one of them. In that general time, yeah. in the 30s, 40s era, yeah. uh, there. were there was a Yankees World Series when they went four, they swept four zero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, those four games combined took less time than the one eighteen inning game uh, in this year's World Series. Well, yeah, they, they had then, to catch the train back. They, you know, they had to end the game early so they could catch the train back. And then I was, I was thinking, you know, think about how many eighteen inning games or fifteen inning games, whatever, happened in dead ball era. Now imagine if that happened now, and let's just say, for example, Clayton Kershaw or, or Chris Sale, David Price, whatever. Imagine they went all 18 innings, and the 18-inning game was only like two and a half hours long. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the difference, is now it's an eight-hour event if if you go that long. Back then, it's like, mm, you know, dinner's at 7.30, so we just got to be out of the ballpark at 6.45. Yeah, you go home and feed the cows because <laughs> I do this as a side job. I win MVPs as, you know, as a, as a weekend thing. Babe Ruth had to get back to his chicken coop. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway. Anyways. Yes, still history. So now going it's back not, into not as important, the right? live ball era, 1954 Cleveland Indians, once again making it, and once again did not win the World Series. Now we bring us to today, number six on my list was the 2018 Boston Red Sox. Um, yeah, 110 wins, I believe. I have to get this right because I was kind of following the end of the season. Wait, 100, only 108, but kind of fell apart. Thought the wheels fell off near the end, but no doubt about it, still one of the best teams in baseball history coming back to win the World Series. 2001 Seattle Mariners. Number five? Yes. Okay. 116 and 46. That's they, still the best record, right? Um, or they get no, broken? but it's tied for most wins in a season. Okay. So they used to play fewer games. Anyway, what is notable about this one, this is the only team, despite having the mo- being tied for most wins, the only team to not have an appearance in the World Series. Lost in the ALCS to the Yankees that season. The Yankees had like a hundred and some wins that year too, didn't they? I don't think they were like ninety something that year. Okay, ninety. I mean, they were, they were, a good they were team up there. there the yeah, they were. I mean, they it beat wasn't up. like they snuck in. I mean, yeah, they were good enough to be in the playoffs. Oh, but. these guys got in and they had an eighty-one and eighty-one record. <laughs> they were they were eighty. They were Sheesh. 78, 84. All their wins came against division opponents. And, well, uh, they have the they have the worst record, but they did not lose a division game this year. But they found a technicality in the rule book; they had to let them in with a forty-two and one hundred and twenty. Somehow, you know, they 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 got it together. Anyway, nineteen oh nine Pittsburgh Pirates, Hannes Wagner on that team beat out Ty Cobb. I would that would actually be a live ball game. I'd go back to see seeing those two play and like 
Ty Cobb would like try to fight everybody. I think um, he would be an interesting player to watch. Wish we had the opportunity. Anyway, 1998 New York Yankees with 114 wins that season and uh, pretty much handling everyone in the playoffs as well. A lot of dominance there. Number two, Murderer's Row. Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig on that same team. Can't really go wrong there. Yeah. And then number one for me, even though they did not win the World Series, was the 1906 Cubs, who had a record of 116-38. and 38. And they, one of the biggest upsets in baseball history was when they lost to the Crosstown White Sox, who had a team batting average of 221. The hitless wonders. Jeez. I think you and I could just grab a baseball bat and probably hit 221 in the in the pros. Uh, definitely in the dead ball era because, like, their fastest pitcher threw, like, probably, like, 81 miles per hour. <laughs> Dude, I could have been a pitcher in the dead ball era. Yeah, but you have to, like, stand on or one leg. Or the Big Ten. I mean, you it's have the to same. Stand, you have to stand on one leg and, like, twirl around, like, let go. <laughs> uh, you, you mean I can't go back in time and throw it like you, you would today? You have to kick your leg way high up and, like, kind of, like, toss it over. Oh, I do that same. anyway. Oh, okay. Okay. That's, yeah, that's why I never made it. You, have I don't to have know. A, you also have a, you have to have a glove that has like no webbing. Like it looks like it's an just actual, my bare like, hand. It's just like an actual glove. They actually, for a while, they just used, they just caught with both hands. So they just like they just had, cut a yeah, side of the cow off right before the game and just wrapped it around their hand. I'm more of a pigskin. Oh, okay. what? But, uh, Speaking just, of pigskin, no. Just holding a football to catch other things? No, I no, no, no. Like, you, like literal pigskin, I will, I will make a glove, like, if I played in the dead ball area. Oh, so, like, what they make hot dogs out of. Yeah, exactly. No, no that's cow to, tongue. No one wants to know how hot that's dogs cow, are made. That's cow tongue. What if that was true? <laughs> I wouldn't. You know what? You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Hot dogs are cow tongues. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we're more hot dogs. sports history. <laughs> History of cow tongues being hot dogs. Well, it, you know, hot dogs are popular. Dude, this is going to be bad. Yeah, yeah. I thought we were going to have to go on late. I'm glad to hear that. All right. Anyways. you have any oh, any man, any of fresh. those teams, any teams that stuck out to you, any notable absences so I can argue about how you're wrong? Did you have the 98 Yankees on there? 98? Yeah, number three. Okay, I thought you said they, that, but they yeah, 114 wins mm-hmm. and also just absolutely dominated. So, the playoffs. so I don't know if you saw this on Twitter or saw it anywhere. The comparison of the '98 Yankees to the 2018 Red, Red Sox, Sox at all. Mm-mm. So, they they were comparing their postseason performances, and I think the basis started with like what their win percentage was or however many wins they had. And I think now, now they might play. I don't know if I don't think they play more, but I think the Yankees I think they were both eleven and three or maybe the Red Sox were eleven and four. But you looked at like the run total or the RBI total, whatever it was, mm-hmm. and it was like the Yankees had like two ninety nine or something like that. And then you look at the Red Sox and they had like three hundred and something. And they just like there was like a forty run difference between the two. In the playoffs? I or maybe that was because 300 runs in a season no, see, is not very good. No, no, I think it was just the playoffs. But even that sounds like a lot now that I think about it. But anyway, so the comparison basically, it, it looked – oh, no, sorry. I'm read, I'm thinking of the numbers they had between – so it was J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts versus uh, 
Ortiz and um, who would have been the other one for the uh, – or they were comparing – um, different am, Red Sox is who I think. I I'm sorry. Very lost with what I know. I because now I'm I'm looking. I'm thinking of two graphics, and one was Yankees Red Sox. The other one was like the 04 Red Sox and the 2018, 2018. Red. So that's why I'm like, let me see. It's public information, and I have it somewhere um, on my own social media. Well, well so. I thought. So give me just a second. Mm-hmm. But go ahead. Well, what's kind of interesting to me is how efficient. Everything that the Yankees did in 98 was like they were great at everything. They had three guys with more than 20 stolen bases, two with 30. Um, so they were second in stolen bases that year. Um, home runs, they were only fourth in the AL. They didn't have a single guy. They had – this is what I find interesting. So their highest home run total on the team was Tino Martinez with 28 home runs. Mm-hmm. Yet they still had four, three other guys to hit more than twenty. So it's not like so they're pretty balanced out that sense. And then um, they didn't have a single guy with an OPS over one, which this was in the late nineties. So like it seemed like each team had like two guys hitting with those numbers. Right. The Yankees didn't have a single one, um, but they still finished with one of the highest OPSs in a season for a team. And then yeah, their pitching was. Very dominant that year, led the league in ERA, um, and had Mariano Rivera closing out. Who I'm gonna say I'm gonna come out and say it. He's overrated, but he's still Mariano Rivera. So there's a lot worse that you can have closing out your games. So yeah, just every all around a really really dominant team in every aspect. They beat you with speed, power, pitching, anything. Well, see, that's the thing. The fielding, that, too. Their fielding was one of the best, I think, the best in the American League as well. I think what a lot of people remember, especially when it comes to World Series, is or or great seasons, is, is the offense. Because a lot of times, you know, I don't want to say baseball stagnant because it's not. But baseball is like... Stagnant. Yeah. The, well, the going into the game, you can kind of expect what's what can happen because you know who the pitchers are on each side, you know what they're good at, what they're not good at. But every season it seems like a different guy emerges as like an offensive superpower. Yeah. And or the same guy. And it I think what's most memorable about most seasons is Hey, you remember that guy that hit 58 home runs this year? Mm-hmm. Not the guy that's like, "Hey, you remember that guy that had 32 saves and kept this team alive all season yeah um because that's what i i find interesting too is the most exciting pitcher in baseball there's no question about it is the closer because oh, they, yeah. all they do is come in to either be in the pitcher or be in the batter or blow the or game strike or strike out all three guys yeah. and the best ones just strike out all three and just leave uh, yeah and they just absolutely you know sliders that just completely go across the entire tv screen that you're watching the game on Somehow find a way in the strike zone, they or either that or the batter will bite or they throw about 107 miles per hour, and get them to just look at it every time because they don't even know where it's at. Um, but you never hear these names. One second, I'm gonna bring up some of these names, and it's just like, like Carter Caps. How familiar are you with Carter Caps? Uh, I don't know. 
Well. Also, I finally found those graphics. So once I get the chance, I'll read them. Anyway, so Carter Caps was a setup man who's still pitching today, and he's 27 years old. In 2015, so is a setup man. Is a setup man. Yeah. But he no, or he was in 2015. Oh, he was okay. a setup man for Miami. No, he did not. He's never been in an All Star game. Okay. But these are these are his numbers in 2015. ERA of 1.16, whip of 0.8, okay. 17 strikeouts per nine innings. Oh, my goodness. Andy, have you ever heard about this guy? No. Exactly. 17. Okay, so like 13, when you hear like 12 or 13 for a closer, and I get they're only coming in like, you know, once a game, you know, for one inning. Mm-hmm. But – to put that in perspective, 17 per nine means every appearance, if you're a closer or even a setup guy and you're only coming in for an inning, every time you're out there, that's two strikeouts. You just like go out there and you're like, hey, we've got one out. Let's go throw two strikeouts. Yeah. <laughs> like, or hey, the bases are loaded. Just like go strike out the side if you could. Yeah, what I think is crazy too. Like, that's, I'm gonna give you. Awesome. I'm gonna give you another example. I wish I would have known who this guy was. Here's another example. Mike Adams. Do you remember Mike Adams at all? What do you play for? He played for San Diego. Uh, was kind of his prime. It was the season I'm gonna bring up from him. Okay, the name sounds familiar. So, so well, I mean, it's Mike Adams. It's a pretty basic name. Well, yeah, that's. <laughs> and he once again never received an MVP vote. Yeah. Never received a Cy Young vote. Never was in an All Star game. But here is numbers in 2009. Again, as a setup man. Okay. 0.73 ERA. Okay. 37 games pitched. 37 innings. Um, whip of 0.59. Okay. And then, yeah, 11 strikeouts per nine innings. 0.59? Well, 0.59. I get he only threw 37. Jeez, 0.59. Still. And well, then, yeah, actually, any, yeah. and then here's, here's another uh, two years later. He had a down year where his ERA was 1.47, whip of 0.78, and nine strikeouts per nine innings. Yeah, that seems like a pretty down year. Jeez. Like, that's the that's what's crazy to me about how dominant these relievers are. And you never hear about these guys. Like, my introduction to these to these players is from Pennant Chase. Right. When we draft a reliever. And it's like, all right, I picked the guy who has the lowest whip and maybe the look at their strikeouts per nine innings. And there's all these new guys that I've never heard of or, like, recent guys that I've never heard of. But they're just mm-hmm. their numbers are so dominant. So Like, Brad Boxberger. Not that we need to talk about. Like, I could keep going on and on. Pennant Chase, but. Like, I um, keep going. I'm just saying I could keep going on and on with these guys that I've never, never even heard of that are just have these insane numbers coming out of the – coming out of the bullpen but we just never hear about it my pennant chase team so i think he's a newer player well i think he might be on yeah, the a diamond. lot of the relievers are newer players well i think this is a starter but for the um diamondbacks robbie ray i was like robbie ray it yeah. sounds familiar but then mm-hmm. like he's probably my yeah he's a newer best guy. pitcher he's a he's a newer guy but yeah and i have randy johnson are, on my but he's yeah. but robbie ray's one of the newer guys and yeah he's yeah. very he was yeah like good, good, good nine, pitcher. Nine or ten strikeouts in inning, yeah. Yeah, people kind of overlook some of these numbers. Yeah. Um, one more, Brad Boxberger. Brad Boxberger. 
Okay. Two saves. He did he did get an all star one year, but this is the one we'll talk about. He was an all star when he was moved to a closer. Mm-hmm. But Brad Boxberger in twenty fourteen. Only two saves, but he pitched in sixty three games, sixty four point two innings pitched, two point three seven ERA, whip of point eight three and fifteen strikeouts per nine innings. And you never hear about them. Here's I mean this what, was and how and how is that how is watching a guy like that less exciting? Why? How is that not getting attention? That that is so fun to watch. Yeah. I, I'd rather watch that than a home run hitter, honestly, because a home run hitter only has a thirty percent chance of uh, having a base hit. To put to put in perspective, I found Robbie Ray's numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, As a starter, hit, right? Yeah, twenty seventeen season. Uh, in how many games did he appear in? Uh, well, he's fifteen and five. His record, he was had a 2.89 ERA, 162 innings pitched, 12.1 strikeouts per nine innings. I mean, what was and the I get he's going nine innings. Hey, what's that? What was the strike? 12.1. That's 2017. So like it's it I, is a strikeout or it's a pitcher's game lately. It's a strikeout pitcher's game, but that's still really really yeah. good. Yeah. I only know of two pitchers with in a, 162 innings pitched. So. I can only think of. Three pitchers that I know have starters that have a strikeouts per nine inning higher in the, at one point in their career. Chris Randy, Sale. Randy Johnson had 13.4. Exactly. It was Randy Johnson, Chris Sale, and Kerry Wood are the only three I can think of. Mm-hmm. And I've looked at a lot of strikeout per nine innings numbers, yeah. which I hate saying publicly, but Matt it's Man, true. Matt Tai, 99. He had 13.7 as a reliever. But look at his whip. 1.35. Exactly. Yeah. He was he he, he was, he was equally striking people out as he was also six His, walks per it? nine six hits per nine exactly that's yeah. I've so. drafted him before thirty two saves he's, though he's he's a wild man I would love to see him pitch so anyways I found like I said I found those stats for ninety eight uh, Yankees like I said mm-hmm. I was I was mixing them up so um, ninety eight Yankees I'll go down theirs and then I'll go down the Red Sox Yankees were eleven and two. Had 62 runs, had an OPS of 755, 14 home runs, 34 extra base hits, and their batting average with runners in scoring position was 215. Wait, their batting average with was only 215? Yeah, with runners in scoring position. Yeesh. Sounds good. Some Red Sox. That's some Cubs in September numbers right there. Red Sox, yeah, against the Brewers. Cubs against the Brewers. Wait, how about you stop? Um, I made the joke. You're right, move on. Right, it was lower than that. Uh, Red stop. Sox. 11 and 3, 84 runs, had an OPS of 724, so a little lower. Home runs 17, extra base hits 43. Batting average with runners in scoring position was 353. That's that's the difference right there. If you knock those guys in, that's what's going to I mean, they scored all, they scored 22 more runs and most of those were with two outs. And that is how you win games. That is how you win games using your offense. You just get the guys around Okay, so this is comparing duos. I'm not going to tell you which one's which. I'm just going to read the numbers. I'm going to have you guess which one was which. Okay, duo number one had in their season, it includes the postseason, duo number one had 91 home runs combined, 299 RBI, 223 runs, a 609 slugging, and an OPS of 1.005. Duo number two had 79 home runs, 228 RBI, 
259 for runs, a slugging percentage of 614, and OPS of 1.027. First one was JD and Wookie. Well, really? Yep. First one was Ortiz and Manny Ramirez. And okay. I thought what. Ninety-one was, home runs. I thought that JD and Mookie had a higher OPS that was, but the lower slugging percentage. But I'm the other other way around, I guess. Yeah. So the thing with Mookie and JD, I think that I, people will probably get hung up on. You look at Manny Ramirez and Danny, Danny, sorry, David Ortiz. You know they have a higher number of home runs and RBI, but those two guys were both solely like power hitters for the most part. Uh, Mookie and JD? No, no, no. Oh, the other guy. David oh, Ortiz yeah, and Manny yeah. Ramirez. You Absolutely. look at Mookie and JD. JD is a high power DH for the most part. Um, Mookie, he and can Mookie hit for power, put, but he can hit. But, but he's, I see him more as, you know, just a five tool player. He's going to get on base. Mm-hmm. He's going to get on base. He'll steal bases. He, he had a 30 30 season, which, congrats. I want to, I want to kind of applaud him for that because. We don't have power speed numbers anymore. There's no speed in today's game. And I think I've so. asked you this before. Did Barry Bonds at one point have a 30-30-30 rec- or season? 30-30-30? Because is it, is it uh, steals, doubles, and hits? Or uh, home runs? Or what? What it, Because a 30-30 is steals. It steals, doubles, and home runs? Yeah. Is that what you're thinking of? Yeah. I've never... I, Maybe I, not. He probably did, but I know that he had multiple 30 for 30, 30 seasons. Well, yeah. Because um, it's home be runs and steals, right? And I would not be surprised. Yeah, that's home. the main 30, 30 is home runs and steals. Okay. And I know for a fact, I, he had an MVP season where he had like a 30, 50 season, 30, 50 <laughs> stolen bases. He had a like, 50, 50 season. <laughs> he he could have. Yeah. He easily could have. Yeah. He had the highest power speed number uh calculation of all time in baseball thank you bill james for that stat that's my favorite stat that's how i build my teams on power speed all right last thing before we move on absolutely my favorite world series team actually did they finish better the next year oh one game better 85 Uh, royals no the 08 phillies that won and then the 09 phillies were only slightly better, yeah, except for they lost the Phillies World fan. Series. You're not a Royals fan. I mean, Royals I like the Royals because they're close. So oh, I'll root that's for a, them. That's but the rule. If you're from Omaha, no matter who your favorite teams are, your second favorite team has to at least be the Royals. If you're not your first favorite team, your second favorite team has to be the Kansas City one. Yeah. Like, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a Raiders fan, and I still I still like, like Kansas City. The Chiefs, City. yeah. I'm still watching Pat Mahomes every game. Except, Because I'd rather watch Pat Mahomes than watch – the Raiders well, lose yeah. thirty four to thir- three to the backup for San Francisco. Not only the backup, the third stringer. The backup's backup. <laughs> I got a but, backup for my backup. Oh, I remember that. Now, maybe I don't know if he was on the 08 team, but 09, Pedro Martinez was on the Phillies. Yeah, I do remember that a little, just faintly. Yeah, yeah but they that. had an incredible pitching staff, like by, for their whole stretch, led, led by, by Jamie Hamels. Moyer. Oh. <laughs> Jamie Moyer, <laughs> <laughs> who was 46 at the time, oh, pitched I until he was and that about was, 59. And that, was, that was his first. That was his first uh, World Series appearance too. <laughs> was it? Oh, or was it 09 was, or 08? That was his first World Series appearance. Was in 08. Wasn't he like the oldest guy to throw in a World Series? He was up there. He'd be way up there. I, I know he's he's like the oldest guy to throw in a game in general. So you yeah, get look at 50, you know, Cliff Lee, no, there, Brad no, Lidge. No, there's been older Cole Hamels there's been older actually no really yeah Satchel Paige I think he pitched a game at the age of 58 no yeah that's fair which you know he's Satchel Paige so of course yeah 
Anyways, I don't know. I just I have a little uh, love hate with the Philly Phillies because you know they they hit the highest of highs and then they were the worst team in baseball. So, well, but they're getting back on track. That's the thing. That's what I like about being a Cubs fan is right now the highest of highs are right now. Oh, right now, yeah. So you don't have to keep telling people you're living in the 1900s. No, exactly. You know, people talk about no Huskers fans just live in the 90s. Cubs Cubs fans fans were living in the 1900s. No, we're just living right now. Yeah, right now they're living now, but before. No, we were just sad. (laughs) We weren't. We're living in the 20th century. The very early part of it, too. I had to... You remember in 1898 when we... Oh, and I wanted to bring this up before we move on, Colton. I didn't put this team on the list because they weren't a World Series team. But if you want to say the most dominant baseball team of all time, Cincinnati Reds, then known as the Red Stockings, in 1869, had a record of 67-0. Oh, so you're saying they weren't because there wasn't a World Series, right? There wasn't a World Series. But they were sixty-seven and zero. So. Jeez, they don't so that's count. my unofficial nope, best team. Don't count. But I also, I also do not like the Reds. So there you well, go. You win some, you lose some. You know. I know. Was Peter? I know how it be. Team? Anyway, Peter Martinez was not on this team. So yeah, Jamie Moyer was though. Colton. Yeah. You had a topic for us as well, didn't you? I do. All right. So on staying on topic of greatest ever. We're t- staying on More topic. Philadelphia Phillies. No. Uh. <laughs> We're going to talk about the closers of football, the running back. The clo- No, I. In terms of. Closers ter- of football are the punters. Come on, let's. No, the closer. No, let me explain it. my reasoning. Okay, go ahead. It's because they're very exciting, but they're only good for a few years and have to retire at age of 30 because of injury. That's why I call them the closer of football. Or, yeah, the closer of football. And a surgery makes them, in the, at least in the case of Adrian Peterson. A surgery makes them a little better for a few extra years. Mm-hmm. That's correct. So, or, and the year after their surgery, they usually have the greatest year of their life. So, earlier in the season, or maybe it was before the season started, um, ESPN compiled um, basically the untold stories and some some of the told stories of Barry Sanders. Arguably the greatest running back of in in college, at least for sure. Pro, pro, it's a debate, but, but it, it's it's, it, it's a tight debate with it's, a. It's a it's a debate that you can definitely make for him though. Yeah, it's that's just not sure. Emmett Smith. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> Frank Gore is in my top five. So Emmett Smith's number one of all time. Frank, Frank Gore's number five, dude. Frank Gore, and I'm not trying to get off topic here, but Frank Gore. Well, I'm gonna get a couple so more off topic in like five minutes. A couple more seasons, man. That dude. Anyways, not the point. So, compiled the untold stories of Barry Sanders and how I mean, just how great <laughs> he was, uh, just at the running back position in general. And now, the he he broke the record for most rushing touchdowns, most touchdowns in a season. They don't count his bowl game touchdowns Mm -hmm. so it's 37 or it's 39 total touchdowns 37 rushing touchdowns but he actually had 44 and 42 um which is just freaking insane bonkers absolutely bonkers um sports rating they 
basically just went through every game that he had, records he broke. And not that I need to, to go through all of them, but one that sticks out, October 15th at Nebraska. Which Nebraska still won by 21 points, 63 to 42. Barry Sanders was 30, 35 carries, 189 yards, four touchdowns, and at the time was the fourth most rushing yards against any Nebraska team. I'm just amazed that there are three other teams back when Nebraska was good that found a way to rush on them. Back in 1988, yep. And then... Now uh, now that's probably like 57th on the list of rushing yards against this. Yeah, let's see. So... The with two games still left in the season, he had uh, this is against Kansas, thirty-seven carries, three hundred and twelve yards, five touchdowns, broke the single season touchdown record with thirty-one for the season at this point. So he still had two two games to go plus the bowl game. Um, and against Texas Tech, they played that one in Tokyo, forty-four carries, three hundred and thirty-two yards, four touchdowns, and the Heisman was awarded at eight a.m. Tokyo time, the day of the game. Mm-hmm. And also, and think- you can, I mean, I could, like I said, I could roll through all these. Iowa State, he broke the Big 8 season rushing record. Was still a game to go. He was a punt returner. He was a kick returner. He this. I mean, I could keep going, but I don't think I really need to. But. All right, so <laughs> I wanted, you mentioned the Tokyo game. If you aren't aware, Nebraska at one point. Also played in Tokyo. Yeah, they yep. played in Tokyo. And they need to bring those games back yes. because I've said that too. not only – not only is it cool to see a college football game being played in the Tokyo Dome, but apparently, according to the Nebraska writer that covered the Tokyo game, they because I don't think they had it on. I, maybe they did. I'm not sure. But what I do know about that game is that when Nebraska played Kansas State in Tokyo, they had a rock band or like a metal band like playing throughout the entire game, which... I think they need to. We America needs to adopt this. Instead of a pet band, we just need to have like just this hardcore like Guar just come in and just play in, in, throughout the, in the entire game. And now Metallica. Exactly. Exactly. And now the pride can- of all Nebraska, led the pride by of all Metallica. Nebraska, Cannibal Corpse. <laughs> Three Eleven. That is kind of the, they are kind of the pride of all Nebraska. At least according to the members of the band. They, and, they, and you. They believe so. Um, and me as well. Some of the records that Barry Sanders broke in college, well, 33 of them at least, are in <laughs> nine, 1988. Some of them may have been broken by now. Um, most touchdowns, 39. Most rushing touchdowns, 37. Uh, and like it says, note in 1988, his bowl game touchdowns didn't count. Most points scored, 234. <laughs> Most 300-plus yard games in a season slash career, four. Um, Most all-purpose yards in a season, 3,249. And per game, 295 and a half. The record was 50 years old, held by a man by the name of Byron Wizzer White. Um, Those are just four of them. And like it says here, Sanders also helped get two of his friends in the record book. First was teammate Gerald Hudson. Sanders had so many yards in 1988 that he and Hudson broke the record for most yards by two teammates in one season with 2,997. <laughs> and he had 2,600. Well, yeah, regular season he had 2,628. So, um, 
It was broken by Reggie Bush and Lendell White, but Lendell White, a um, little more efficient than Gerald Hudson was. <laughs> um, that that number reminds me, like with, it's like the most pitch or pitching wins by two brothers. It's like Christy Mathewson and his brother with three hundred and four, and Christy Mathewson had three hundred and four, and his brother had zero. Ah, <laughs> uh, speaking of siblings, the other friend that Sanders helped was his brother Byron. Hmm. Uh, with whom he still holds the record for most yards on a season for two siblings. Byron did his part on this one, though, rushing for 1,062 yards for Northwestern that year. So 1,062, 2,620. So, I mean, I mean, no one was probably half as good <laughs> as Barry Sanders at the time, so that uh, makes sense. But it's just some of these numbers are... Uh, Should be censored. Yeah, I shouldn't even be able allowed allowed to say him out loud. His over this is including the bowl game. Total total season, three hundred and seventy three rushes for two thousand eight hundred and fifty yards. Average almost eight yards a carry. What I think is crazy about that is that's like not even the best yards per carry for a starter I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, even though how many attempts did he have? Uh, 373. Okay. That That's including little, the bowl game. That makes it a little bit different. But his freshman year, um, Calvin Jones had over 100 attempts, and he averaged 8.5 rushing yards yeah. per carry. It's a pretty good number. That's okay. Um, They had some of these that were – now, this, this was – I mean, written a while ago, like this, at least this article, not the one from ESPN, but the other one that I was looking at, Monty Ball, uh, Monty Ball ended up with 38 total touchdowns, but 32 rushing touchdowns in regular season, so he was, played 13 games, that, that didn't include the bowl game, I don't think, but yeah, 38, touchdowns. so he was close, but not quite. Not quite Barry Sanders. How many yards do you have? He had. I guess it just doesn't want to tell me. Not to point. Anyways, going back to the ESPN article, before we get to greatest running backs of all time, at least in college. Yep. So in 2017, when this this article wasn't written in 2017, but the 2018 season hadn't started yet, and it also wasn't complete. So what they did was is they took, including the bowl game, they took every game that Sanders had. And what his total yards were. Yep. In 2017, they took the best running back from each week, the best running back performance each week. I know where this is going, and it's already great. So, Barry Sanders, 2,850 yards, including the bowl game, 42 touchdowns on the ground. The 13 best running back performances, 14, including the bowl game, 2,836 yards. 27 touchdowns. <laughs> now, I don't know if they went most yards, not most touchdowns, but generally if you have 300 it, yards, you probably have three touchdowns, like, or close. But the – so, Barry Sanders' best game was yard yards-wise, 320 yards, three touchdowns. His probably best performance was 312 oh, – I'm sorry, 332 yards, four touchdowns in Tokyo. Um but his best touchdown performance, 312 for five. But he also had against Tulsa, 304 and five. So the best performance in 2017 was 
Yards-wise was Bryce Love, 301 yards, three touchdowns against Arizona State, Colton Cries. Um, most touchdowns was A.J. Dillon against Louisville, 272 yards, four touchdowns. So there's just – like these are w- almost one-off games, though. Exactly. Barry Sanders was doing that every week. <laughs> exactly. Like that's, and that's the difference. Yeah. I, what else is there that – like? What else is there to be said? I don't know if you've uh, – and those are power five running backs, of course. But I don't know if you've read this article or if I've ever shared it with you. But it goes through, like, his freshman year when they played Nebraska. And he kind of got into, like, garbage time. And all the Husker players were saying, like, he's better than the other guy that was uh, playing. And that was his freshman year. Uh, like, what hasn't been said about Barry Sanders that hasn't been said about Zeus? <laughs> like – did he's, Sanders he's throw Greek lightning god. bolts? I'm he's pretty a, sure. He's the Greek god of college football. Is really what he is. Yeah. Power clean, 365 pounds. Uh, as a freshman, like I said, I, I can just read everything. And it just bolsters who he is as a person. That would be even really more. fun if you did. Here we go. Uh, no, please. <laughs> no, just as a freshman, his vertical jump was only 32 inches, but his and his 40 time was 4.58. And it says only. <laughs> only. Like, yeah, because I, I got down to like 4.2. Hey, Colton, let's go outside and run a 4.48. 5.8. No, like, no, I'm saying we're faster. You're oh, saying. you're right. Well, he dropped down to a 4.32. And he, uh, I'm not there yet. And he added 12 inches to his, or he added 10 inches to his vertical. Yeah, I'm so. not there yet. Probably the two best parts of this article, though. Uh, well, he was a trash talker. Everyone should have known that. I mean, look how good he was. Uh, a quote you from, would, yeah, everyone would if they were. Uh, quote from a former Oklahoma State wide receiver, Jared Green. Barry looked like a specimen, didn't have any body fat, but he would eat like a trash can. <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups, potato chips, candy bars, Snickers bars, hot dogs, just junk food. I remember hearing about that somewhere. and He used to sleep in meetings, too. That's he, right. He, he said in this article, teammates said he would sleep in the huddle. Yeah. Like he'd close his eyes for... 30 seconds because he like he talked about how you know you go to class you go to games you mm-hmm. go to practice he's he like never had just, time for sleep you just got to find time to sleep and they're like yeah he'd go on the sideline and people would have to like check on him and just like be resting his eyes on the bench that's yeah. how you know that you're just the greatest player and then he and then he, yeah, and then he comes off and rushes for 300 yards yeah oh all right yeah he's just like he's doing his little just like, do that you know crack the neck a yeah. little bit just shake the shoulders hands on the ball and run and 60 goes, yards <laughs> barry it's time for kickoff all right hold on and so what's amazing well honestly with the most too, too amazing, much nyquil the most amazing thing to me about barry sanders is that with all these great stats in college it translated to the pros yeah, that's I think it's, the thing. I think it's what's most amazing. So now I don't have his pro Colton, stats up, but name. Let's let's go back and forth. Name a couple successful college running backs who actually did so tra- make the transition. So I found a list of just like sixteen great college running backs, mm-hmm. just as reference. Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk. That that was one, he on the list? Oh, uh, I'm be. I'm just at the top of the list. So he I averaged like, three touchdowns a game over his career. Yeah. Uh, well, the first person on this list, not number one, but just the first one that comes up, Adrian Peterson. I mean, Adrian Peterson in college, this is over 30, this is 31 career games, 4,041 rushing yards, 741 carries, 42 touchdowns. Yeah, he was. He and was. he, 
he broke a foot sophomore year. He broke a collarbone. He dislocated his left shoulder. Like, there were three years where he was just hurt, and he still had over 4,000 yards. Um, Marshall Falk, I don't have him. He's not up on this list yet, but he probably is. Um, Oh, O.J. Simpson, at least for a little while. Before Um, you know. You know. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, okay. The glove doesn't fit. You can't quit. All right. <laughs> Jim Brown. Um, I'm just like, I'm just kind of going through this list for best college running backs. I mean, Jim Brown, obviously one of the greatest professional running backs of mm-hmm, all time. Absolutely. Um, whether, mm, whether or not he was, he was a unanimous All-American in 1956, but. I don't know. When you think of like, and I guess it's the time period too, but mm-hmm. when you think of college running backs, it's not like, oh, you remember, remember Jim Brown? No, not really. <laughs> Great college running back, but probably didn't transfer that well. Ron Dane. That was what I was going to bring up later was guys that didn't trans- uh, make the transition. That was the big one for me. He was, he was impossible to tackle, but in college, but he was never very fast. Mm-hmm. And so once you get up to the pros where it is a little bit easier to tackle him, that lack of speed really makes the transition. Not only that, but they try to turn him into a running fullback, and he just for some reason refused. Well, that works in the Big Ten, but mm-hmm. not so much the pros. No, I agree. Well, he, it could have worked as a running fullback like in the NFL. Yeah. Like you could, It works. My but, fault. <laughs> uh, but in all, see Mike Allstott. Yeah, exactly. Um it's like in a modern day NFL, but he just refused to yeah. not be a half. Yeah, that seems like it happens more often than not when guys are like, "Hey, this is probably the role that you fit," but no, no, I'm Mm-mm. okay, Mm-mm. I'm fine. Anyway, you mentioned Jim Brown. That reminds me of a funny story. First of all, uh, my dad said one of the first football games he remembers watching on TV was a uh, Jim Brown game, and my it looked like. It looked like a grown man playing against a bunch of, like, mm-hmm. nine-year-olds. Like, he's playing with the neighborhood kids. They were all trying to pull him down, and they couldn't. There'd oh, yeah. be, like, three guys on him, and they just need to shake them all off. And my dad was like, hey, Dad, like, my, to my grandpa, hey, Dad, what, who's that guy? <laughs> he's really good. And then the other story is, so, my freshman year, mm-hmm. um, when I probably should have been studying, um, I was playing a lot of, uh, NCAA, like the old NCAA football games right. with my, like everyone on the floor, we'd always come over and we'd You're always have tournaments and that's stuff. That's 56 Syracuse. Well, that's the thing is like, we would always pick historical teams or one, one time we did, we would never pick Nebraska for like, cause everyone would argue Sentimental about it. Sentimental reasons, right? So we all picked any of the all time teams and I picked Syracuse just cause they had Donovan McNabb. And I'm mm-hmm. like, I'll play as like a running quarterback. Totally forgot that not only did they have Ernie Davis, a Heisman winner as the backup running back, Jim Brown was in it. Long story short, there's a house rule that you could never play a Syracuse all-time <laughs> team after that. He picked up 500 rushing yards because he had like he was 99 in like all like the running stats. Oh, yeah. Like because he along with him being impossible to tackle, he was still an absolute freak when it came to speed and everything else. You had wide receiver Carmelo Anthony. Uh, Earl Campbell. That Hakeem one. Warwick is my defensive end. Jeez. Earl Campbell, very much 
transferred mm. over. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Great running back at Texas, even as a freshman. And what and the thing is too with him, why he did touchdowns. so well in college, is as good as he was in the pros, his peak came really early. Like his best mm-hmm. seasons, mate, were in the NFL that established him as a legend, were his first and second seasons in the league, like his rookie and his sophomore years, and so. That means that that was like his peak. Mm. He was an NFL, a top NFL running back while at college. Yeah. So how are you going to go against that? And especially considering how much different the college game was in terms of talent. Like, I'm amazed that he didn't average like, well, do you, does it have his like yards per carry on there in college? I'm going to sneeze again. Okay, it's. I don't yeah, know if it doesn't have his yards per carry. I can look it up. Doesn't have his yards per carry. Because if it's lower than twelve yards per carry. But <laughs> well, to put this in perspective, as a freshman he had nine hundred twenty-eight rushing yards. As a sophomore he had one thousand one hundred eighteen, and then his senior year he had almost eighteen hundred, with nineteen touchdowns. Yeah, almost seven yards per carry as a power back. That's pretty impressive. Uh, set a school record with ten one hundred yard rushing games, in a twelve game season. <laughs> So, so he was uh, good. Is yeah, he was pretty good. Oh, okay. <laughs> you'll you'll agree with this one, Marcus Allen, USC. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Great goal line back. Probably the like, best goal like, line back ever. And like it says, his first two seasons he was used as a fullback, blocking for another Heisman Trophy winner, um, Charles White. But um, as he won the Heisman his senior year, two thousand six hundred eighty-three yeah, offensive power, yards. For being a power back, Marcus Allen was so fast. For being a goal line back, he was yeah. finished his career with four thousand six hundred sixty-four rushing yards, five thousand two hundred thirty-two total yards, and forty-six touchdowns, while averaging five point two yards per carry. That's college. My only problem with Marcus Allen is that he played for USC. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> uh, Allen, at least at the time of this, I don't think it's happened again. At least at the time of the writing of this article, Allen also has the distinction of being the only player in football history to have won the Heisman Trophy, a national championship, a Super Bowl. Be named the NFL MVP and the Super Bowl MVP. So I think that transferred no pretty by well. The end of his career. <laughs> I'm not going to go that far. Some uh, some scrub by the name of Doak Walker. Uh, actually, I don't know anything about his. I've heard played. the name. Um, he's an old time play. Yeah, late 40s. Um, According to Texas uh, law, when did that, he win this? When did it say he won the Heisman? Well, I mean, they named an award after him. Um, because I have... I don't know if... Did he won? Oh, I have... Okay, uh, okay, he won it in 1948. Yeah. And he won the Maxwell Award in... 600 yards rushing. Yeah. it's. I'm just saying it was on this list. I'm not saying that he's... It transfers. It's Overrated. Uh, I do like this, though. Texas lore... According to Texas lore, the second deck of the Cotton Bowl was added due to the demand to see Walker play. Consequently, it, it was called... The house that Doak built. So, there you go. I think he's one of the few guys that literally built the house when they say a player built the house. Um, we mentioned Charles White. I don't know if he really had that great of a college – or uh, he had a good college career. I don't know if he ever had that great of a pro career. I haven't heard of his pro career much, so. Some guy by the name of uh, Bo Jackson? Oh, he's the Tecmo Bowl guy. <laughs> He, no, he's the guy that your friends wouldn't let you play on technical. No. <laughs> Otherwise, it was just the Raiders versus the Raiders. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking about, yeah, uh, Charles White 
he did have one Pro Bowl appearance and was first team. He had one. He was like a one season wonder. Yeah. In the NFL is what I'm looking at because he had one season where he's a Pro Bowl first team All Pro, comeback Player of the Year, rushing yards, and then every other thing in his career highlights is from him winning like the Heisman Trophy in '79. Uh, Bo Jackson narrowly won the Heisman Trophy. That's a snub. Uh, finished his collegiate career with 4,303 rushing yards on 650 carries for an average of 6.6 yards per carry, at least at the time, an SEC record, and scored 43 touchdowns. One of his epic performances was the 256 yards on 20 carries against rival Alabama in 1983. Bo Jackson, as we know, had a pretty good pro career in two sports. Um, you'll debate with good me. Good in one, uh, good in one and the other. <laughs> so that's yeah. how I, that's Great how at I baseball. and Wrong. Okay, anyways. Oh, we still got plenty of time. Once again, I'll, I'll fight you yeah, on this. I know as you, much as I, I love yeah, Bo I'm, Jackson no, as a fine. person. Got, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I got it. Deion Sanders is a better athlete. Uh, some guy by the name of Tony Dorsett. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't know if – he's got to be on this list somewhere. Um, and I'm not trying to just uh, dance around Tony Dorsett at all, but I'm just trying to find – Well, I mean – Oh, Herschel Walker. Career. Absolutely. Herschel of Walker. Course. 55 is total touchdowns in college. One of the greatest bobsledders of all time, Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. Uh, I'm going to. Uh, anyone can fight me on this, including you. Herschel Walker should have won the Heisman as a freshman. It is inexcusable that he did not win the Heisman as a I freshman. I do not remember his statistics. Let me bring. Those up, but I remember they, hearing about how like so it was a it was, yeah. Nineteen eighty was like an amazing team. They basically yeah, were cutting they were cutting hairs because the guy that won it over him was a junior or senior. Because back then, it was even, like taboo to think even about. until like early two thousands, like well, when Tebow won it. Tebow was, was the first sophomore to win. Oh seven, exactly. He was the Let's first. Think about sophomore how long the Heisman Trophy's been around? Right, nineteen thirties. Right, so he was the first sophomore to win it as a freshman. Like you said, it was basically taboo, but. They were cutting hairs. He was like, ah, oh, you know, he's got all these numbers, but look at this other guy. And then uh, apparently they had already made their decision before the final game of the season. Mm-hmm. That's what they used to do And then against that. Georgia Tech, Herschel Walker goes for like five touchdowns and 200 and some yards. And it's like, oh, yeah, we probably should have made that guy the Heisman. There is another situation. I think it was with O.J. Simpson where they voted on the Heisman for the last game of the year. And they're – the guy who won it over him was for UCLA mm-hmm. and it was a quarterback and they played each other. USA USC is the Thanksgiving or like the final game of the right. year. And like OJ runs for like 200 yards and then the quarterback for UCLA gets sacked like four times. And it's like, uh, maybe we should have, uh, maybe we should have voted on OJ Simpson Con- considering that he absolutely annihilated the other team. So I'm trying to see, but no, yeah, Herschel no. Walker, his best season, in my opinion, was his freshman, freshman year. <laughs> it well, probably wasn't his freshman year, but he still, at least, it, was, it stood it was until really, 19. Really good. It stood for 16 years. His one, his 1,616 rushing yards as a freshman set an NCAA record for most by a freshman. And Broken then, by Taylor Martinez. I don't know. Geez. Maybe uh, my, He's the only player in history to finish in the top three in Heisman voting after each of his three college seasons. I don't think he ever won it because the season he should have won it was his freshman year. Because Georgia – No, he no, did he won win it. it. He won it in 82. Yeah, he won it his third year. His but he should have won it in 80. 
almost he could have almost won an 81 too he could have won three yeah he could have won three um and georgia went to a national championship and if that was today even as a freshman if that was today oh best player on the best team Mm -hmm. he would have won the heisman Mm -hmm. um not on this list but that i would consider at least well ricky williams is on this list ricky williams great called running back some issues um, in the NFL, but it was still great for a so, little while. That was a, that's another thing with Ricky Williams is with him, people forget how he was okay. A lot of people remember his pro career, but he only really had one good season. But it, uh, that one season was really, really, really good, yep. and it just kind of resonated throughout the rest of his career, and everyone now remembers him for it. Because he had, like, every – like, just dominated in 2002 at, with Miami. Mm-hmm. But, like, after that, he had issues and stuff. But, oh, but in college, he was great. Reason, Ricky Williams, one of the best college running backs, broke Tony Dorsett's 22-year-old NCAA record for career rushing yards with 6,279. And he set the mark on a 60-yard touchdown run against Texas A&M with Dorsett on the sideline cheering him on. Um Nebraska fans cheered Heisman as he walked off the field. So that's true. That's all I gotta say. Uh, accumulated a school record 2,121 rushing yards in route to winning Heisman Trophy, and became the first two-time winner of the Doak Walker Award. Uh, guy not on this list that I believe was a, held out a little bit, as we only have about two minutes. Eric Dickerson. Um, oh, he was great at SMU. Eric Dickerson, great at SMU. I think a lot of those players at SMU are kind of like. Mm-hmm. We try to the people let's try, try to, to let's try to forget that that happened. But my goodness, Eric Dickerson was phenomenal at first, SMU, he was, and yeah, then he, he transferred. The guy, he transferred really well when he played for the Rams. He was the first guy to rush for two thousand yards in the NFL in a season, and people bring him bring up his college career just as much. As his pro career, or maybe not as much, but it's kind of close. And also, he had the greatest Rex backs in football history. There's no question about that. And then, lastly, uh, hold on, let me uh, let me play us out. Uh, lastly, about Herschel Walker, just because whenever I talk about Herschel Walker, right? You get heated. That, yeah, I, I have get to get up on a someone's high horse and just start yelling. Mm-hmm, but yeah. uh, Herschel Walker finishes third. 1980 Heisman voting. George Rogers, who won it. George Rogers, who even admitted later that he probably shouldn't have won it. George Rogers was 297 attempts for 1,781 yards, average of six yards per carry and 14 touchdowns. Herschel Walker, as a freshman, 274 carries, 1,616 yards, 5.9 average, and 15 touchdowns. Oh, and Georgia won the national title. So, Jake, anything else? A shout out to Rolly, shout out to Pot Roast, shout out to Mustache Man, shout out to Sideshow. I can't remember these names, but... Uh, Whirly? Whirly. I think that's all you of know, them. Yeah, those all of them. And shout out to all the moms. Keep it high and tight. What else? And shout as out always, to, shout, shout out to, to Keith. Thanks for keeping us at at least a listener base of a big old one. For Jake Larson, I'm Colton Stone. It's been Chasing History. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks. Bye.